Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Hey, can I give you some advice? I bet you could get some action if you open up to her about how bad things are at home. You deserve to shop around. Take her to happy hour. Bad advice, bad advice. Diane called me out this morning. She says, I am really good at giving bad advice. And that hurt right here, right? It did. Well, again, hey, if I have a chance to meet you, my name is Barry. Man, if this is your first week or if you've been here a million times, we are so excited that you chose to worship with us today. So again, we are in the middle of a series called Bad Advice, and I know you're thinking, why did I come to church to hear bad advice? That seems really weird. And here's the thing. We all make mistakes, right? And so when we look, or when we're outside looking in at other people's lives, they're like, man, they must have listened to some bad advice in their lives. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go through some of that things. Now, here's, I want you to know this, like, I'm up here with some fear and trepidation, so, and it's not from just the normal nerves of speaking, and I need some help from the audience. Can you guys help me out? That's right. So here's what I'm looking for help with. If you see my wife sneaking in the back and she hears me say something and preaching too hard on the bad advice and she comes towards the stage, I need for you guys to get in the middle and stop that. Can you do that for me? Protect me. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah, nobody wants to get in front of Christy. That's right. Mike knows. No, so here's the thing. And I can imagine if I'm sitting in the audience, you know, and, and here's where I've been. And when I've listened to Sean talk about the bad advice, I'm like, yep, that's me. That hurts. I know he got, he was talking to me. And I'm assuming with this, with this topic today, maybe that's true of you today. And here's what I want you to know. I'm sure that you've been in a church where you had a guy like me standing up and you felt like he was doing this, poking, hitting you in the chest. And heaping judgment and casting guilt on you. And I don't want you guys to feel that today. So I want just unclench, just relax a little bit. We're going to have a good time here. I know that sounds weird talking about this. But I want to do something. I want to be for you guys. And here's the thing. God is for you. This is, this is something that affects everybody in some level, whether it's temptation or even through the follow-through. But what I want to talk today about is we'll talk about the, the bad advice. And then we'll, we'll contrast that with the good advice. But I, I want you to think about it this way. When we talk about these, I want you to think that the advice is like a signpost, like a, a destination. This is where I turn. This is where I don't turn. This is my direction. We've, you, maybe you've made a wrong turn in your life, but here's the thing. God never gives up on you. He is always there for you. The path isn't over as long as you're still on earth. You still have a choice to make. And so we can continue to change our lives and continue to make new choices and follow what God has for us. And so and as, as we go through this, I want you also to think about this. It's really easy just to focus on the behaviors or the actions. And though those things are important, as we talk about those, I want you to remember this. What's the heart behind it? What's the thinking behind it? Because that's really where life change happens. It happens here and it happens here way before we cross any kind of line. So here's what I want to do. I want you guys to get to know me a little bit before we get into this since this is such a personal issue. And so I mentioned my wife, Christy. I met my beautiful wife in college. Can you guys give it up for Christy? I don't think she's in here this morning. Otherwise, I would have already heard her say something. So we dated for a whole year before we got married, and we've been married for 22 wonderful years. 
That's right. Wonderful years if she's listening to me out there. And, and, <laughs> and through that whole time, we're like, we're like any other married couple, right? Man, we've had some good years. We've had some rough years. We've had our ups and downs, our temptations, our trials. But we've stayed faithful to each other. And so after 22 years, I'm starting to have a little standing where I have people that are getting married, like Mitch Robinson just got married, and he hasn't asked for any advice. Yeah, yeah, you get up for Mitch. There we go. He hasn't asked for any advice yet, but I'm going to give him some today. So after 22 years, you know, I have a little bit of a track record. I can speak into somebody's life and give some truths. And I would like to tell you that I always have the spiritual answer or the spiritual truth to give to him how I've stayed successful this far in my life to my wife. But I want you to know, I want to be honest with you guys, and I want to be real with you, because this is real life. One of the things that has inspired me to stay true to my wife and my commitment, my vows, is a movie. And it's one of my favorite movies. It's one of my wife's favorite movies. How many people have seen the movie Princess Bride? Anybody in the house seen it? A few? Oh, there we go. We got some guys in the back. So there's one particular scene that has really inspired me. And you guys remember the scene where Wesley's getting ready to leave to make his fortune so he can afford to be married and take care of Buttercup the rest of his life? And he starts talking about true love and how you can't stop true love. Do you guys all remember that scene? A few people? Yes, as you wish. There you go. Coming back to you. That's not the scene that inspired me, though. A little later on in the movie, towards the end, Wesley's recovering. He'd been killed, basically, and came back to life. And so he's recovering. He's laying there trying to get his strength back. And here comes the evil prince. And Prince Humperdinck, he rushes into the room, and he challenges Wesley to a duel to the death, right? And Wesley stops him and says, no, we're going to fight to the pain. And he goes on to explain to Humperdinck what the pain means. He goes, I'm going to cut off your ankles. He goes, and then I'm going to cut off your hands at the wrist, and then your nose, and then each eye. And I'm going to leave your ears. And Humperdinck freaks out. He goes, I don't want to fight. He goes, I'm not going to go to the pain. And that scene was always cool to me. But then after I got married... We were, we were having a conversation, and we were actually watching that movie one time. And it sounds really weird. You know, Barry, how are you going to tie this in? How did this, how did this scene inspire you? And here's the thing. We were talking to another couple, and the topic of adultery came up. And the, the, other, the other couple, the wife told the husband, if you ever cheat on me, I'll kill you. Christy leans over to me. She's like, baby, I'm not going to kill you, but your punishment's going to be to the pain. And I'm like, oh, man. And then she's paused. She's like, and I'm not going to start with your ankles. <laughs> My wife has a few flaws in her life, but she's not a liar, and I know that, and I trust her. So here's the thing. You always, guys, you always want to know that your wife says what she means. So you guys got to know me a little bit. Here, I want, to, I want you guys to share with me a little bit. All right, how many married people do we have in the house today? Can you raise your hands? There we go. Yeah, can we go for the married people? Yeah, there we go. They're all like, uh... <laughs> All right, how many people want to be married at some point? Do we have any of those hands? Can we raise them up? Got a couple? Oh, you got the wisdom group here, huh? I was going to have you guys look around, but... <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Of the people that are married or that want to be married, how many of you have a plan on how to commit adultery in your life? Can you raise your hands up? What? That's interesting. Nobody has that hand. Nobody has that plan. Why not? Because we all know what happens. There's a journal on the Christ, uh, of Christianity and psychology, and this stat blew me away. It says up to 65% of Christian husbands and 55% of Christian wives will commit adultery at some point in their lives. And Jamie, or Jody's back there shaking his head. He deals with this all the time. And man, that just blows me away. It just is like, but, I, but when you really stop and think about it, it's really not that surprising. Here is what's surprising, though. Even though it happens all the time, even outside of these walls, outside of, of the 
people that would call themselves Christians, even the, even the general population, the general culture, to this day, still agree and think that adultery is wrong. They agree with God. Exodus chapter 20, 14, one of the first Ten Commandments that God gave, one of the Ten Commandments God gave, you shall not commit adultery. And here's the thing, everybody still agrees with that. Everybody is scared of infidelity. They're scared of adultery. And again, that's not my intent today. I don't, wanna, I don't want you guys to get worried and start fearful. What, what's my spouse going to do? That's not the point here. But these things do happen. And they happen really subtly. You know, it's not one day that you wake up and like, oh, I'm going to cheat on my wife. That's not how it happens. But it's not, you know, it happens, it's like a baby step. So one day you're right here. You're like, man, my marriage is good. I just got married. I'm just like, Mitch, yeah, everything's great. And then you wake up six months later and you're like, oh, the honeymoon's over. But I mean, I still love my wife and still, things are still good. And then you start finding the flaws that are eventually going to be there. And they'll, they'll show up and you get a little unsatisfied. And then you see something or somebody on TV and you're like, oh, man, she looks good or he looks good, right? And start comparing them to your spouse. And then, and then you're somewhere that you maybe you shouldn't be. And then maybe, maybe you meet somebody that's just, man, they're really cool. We have a lot in common. Next thing you know, you're spending some time together. And then you have an accidental touch. And then next thing you know, something's happened and you're right up against a line that you never thought would happen. And you look back. And you started way back there. You're like, how did I get here? And it wasn't overnight. Those baby steps, they come slowly but surely when we don't guard ourselves. So here's the thing. We're going to get into the bad advice. So this is the point you guys got to protect me, okay? You guys ready? Three easy steps. If you've got a great marriage and it's God's blessing you, but you're looking for, you know, you're looking for something a little extra, looking for a little extra action on the side, and you want to mess things up a little bit, I've got three easy steps for you guys on how to commit adultery. Number one, start with neglecting your marriage. Man, you guys are all gifted to do something. You guys all have talents. I want you to start doing this. Give your best to something else other than your wife. It could be work. It could be working out. That's not Sean and I's problem. He keeps talking about it, so I'll call myself out. That's not my problem either. So give your best to something else. You know, a hobby, something that's going to take a lot of time away from your marriage. You're not investing time with your spouse anymore. Hey, it could even be your kids because, man, that's really cool. You can spend a lot of time with your kids, and that's a good thing. Start giving your best to your kids instead of your spouse. Or how about this? You know what? Man, you got, you got your spouse now. They're not going anywhere. Why don't you go back to the preteen version of you? You take a shower just whenever you feel like. Brush your teeth when you get the film. It sticks out a little bit too much. You know, they're not going anywhere. Let, let, let the gut stick out. Just let yourself go a little bit. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's getting ready to say amen out there. I heard it. And, here, and also this. Man, if you have to be physically intimate with your wife, make it super boring, super predictable, just a routine thing, you know? Just be super vanilla. You know, don't be the stud. Be the dud, right? And then they won't even look forward to it anymore. Just let it go. Just neglect those things. So step number two is this. Start finding and enjoying common interests with somebody else. And hopefully you can make an emotional connection with that person. Man, whether you, maybe, maybe it is the working out, going to a club to meet somebody, hanging out. Maybe it's work. Man, you guys are really clicking together. You have a vision for where your company is going, and you want to invest some time. Man, and they get you. They understand you in a way that your spouse doesn't. Man, invest time. Let them, hey, guess what? 
tell them all the problems, everything your spouse is doing wrong. Just let them know because they'll understand, right? They'll get it. And then maybe I share with them, listen to what their problems are. And then when you're around them, you know what, guys? Suck that gut in a little bit. Start prancing, you know, strutting around a little. Is it prance? Well, depends. It depends, right? It could be. It could be. Hey, girls, you know what? Dress just a little more provocatively. You know, show, show a little extra leg above the knee. You know, how about this? Maybe start flirting a little bit. You know, guys, just reach over and grab that pin together. Girls, I can't do this. I can't flip my hair because I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but girls, you guys really do that really good. Start flirting. You know what? After work, start. Send them a DM. You know what? Text after work. Find out what's going on in their personal lives. Hey, if you want to get really spiritual, tell them that you're thinking about them and praying for them because God has put them on your heart, right? You can really get this going, get it really spiritual. And lastly, if you really want to blow this up and commit adultery, start making excuses. Man, I wouldn't be here right now if my spouse would do what I wanted them to do. Man, if they would spend a little more time with me and he would communicate a little more, man, I wouldn't be unhappy. Or if she would spend a little more time with me and meet my needs, I wouldn't be happy. And God wants me to be happy, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? This is the highest goal for God is for me to be happy. And, you know, well, here's the, you know, this, this, isn't really, this isn't really cheating. We're just hanging out. She's a really good friend, right? It's innocent. Don't worry about it. And then again, those baby steps come through. And then maybe you find yourself at that line and you start telling yourself this excuse. This is a good one. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I didn't marry the right person. Maybe God really meant for me to be with this other person. And it's really easy to buy into, right? It's great advice, guys. If you want to commit adultery, start writing these things down. You've got to take notes. Let's hit pause here for a minute. I don't know if anybody's come in late. I can't see with these lights. But I can just imagine somebody's in the back just sitting down there like, Ethel, I heard about churches like this. That's one of them swinger churches. I knew it. I knew it. Let's leave. He just said he can't see us. We'll sneak out right now. Man, terrible advice, right? Man, I don't know how Sean's got up here for two weeks to give that terrible advice. It's really hard to do. So I want to I contrast it with some really good advice right now. Here's the thing. I don't care if you're in this room and you're 16 and not married, or if you're 60 and you've been married for 40 years. This is all advice that we can use, and this is all good based on God's word. So if you want to protect your marriage, if you want to invest in it, and you want to, you want to see God bless it and, and further your guys' lives together, you have to do whatever it takes. To number one, you have to reduce the risks. What does that mean? If you read through the pages of scripture, God is always telling us to fight sin, right? Whatever that is, addiction, fight it, resist it. Adultery is the one sin that God says to what? Flee. Isn't that weird? Run, forest, run. You can't fight it, don't fight it, don't try, get out of the way. In Proverbs 5, 8, God says this, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Don't give yourself an opportunity. Stay away. Man, and here's the natural thing. I know I talk about this all the time. When I think about a path, I think about mountain biking. And there's some of the guys I ride in here with. Well, I was out in Moab, Utah one time. Actually, twice. There's a path that you go along, and it's about 10 feet wide in certain spots. And on one side, you have a cliff that rises up, and you can't get past. And on the other side is a thousand foot drop straight to death, right? And I'm up there the first time and I'm like, why am I up here? I'm walking my bike, I'm not even riding, I'm looking in. 
I'm on the wrong path. There was another path around that. Don't listen to Mitch and Robert. It's not the right path. It's the path to destruction. I'm going to fall off. Well, it's the same thing with adultery. You don't have, if you don't allow, allow yourself to have a path even near the door, how can you have an opportunity to commit adultery and stray and be unfaithful to your spouse? The line of sin doesn't start with the action. It doesn't start with that last date or that hotel room. That line of sin starts in our minds. It starts in our hearts. And we all know that. And, and if you, Sermon on the Mount is one of my favorite passages. And God goes back and he's talking to people that can, you know, always justify themselves. Well, I didn't commit murder. Well, he says, yeah, but you're angry. And then he does get to adultery. Talks about how it starts in our mind. And they said, well, I haven't cheated on my spouse. He's like, yeah, but if you've thought a lustful thought, you've already begun that path. And so the line starts not at the action, it starts up here. And I like to think of it this way. Man, if I was walking through my day and I was being video recorded, and I'm a little bit of a conspiracy guy, so I think maybe we are on our phones. <laughs> but if your spouse had access to that, would they be uplifted by what they see you do? And that's a constant reminder. You know, if I had access to my wife's, would I be uplifted and blessed by what I see her doing? And I think I would, and I want her to think the same of me. We reduce the risk by growing in a spiritual walk with God. And man, you can do that on your own, and you should do that on your own, but man, as a married couple, especially as a married couple, when you do that together, it draws you closer and together in a way, until you do it, you just don't understand how that that works. And it gives you a greater vision for something bigger than yourselves. And so when you continue to pour in your lives through praying together over a meal in a life group, man, it is so awesome just to see a couple grow together and they become stronger and stronger. One other way to reduce risk is just avoid bad situations. And one of these is one that I've been judged for before. But, you know, for me, I try not to spend time alone with a member of the opposite sex. And I do that just to protect myself. And a lot of people are like, man, that's old school. That's old fashioned. And I've had people in ministry tell me that. Specifically, man, what are you doing? You should spend time with that person, pour into lives, grow them, disciple them. And I'm like, I can do that in another way. I'm not, I'm just, I don't do that. I don't go on road trips with, with females. I don't do lunch. And I know a lot of people, you, some of you guys might be in jobs where that's just normal. And that's what it is. But protect yourselves. Just because it's normal doesn't make it wise. And so you have to protect yourselves. And here's the thing, you always have to watch out for, for situations just arise, even if you haven't done anything wrong. We think of like, well, stay out of bad places. And we all think of what, guys, stay out of bars and what? Oh, I knew it, pastor said it. <laughs> bars and strip clubs, uh, I heard him. But it can happen anywhere. <laughs> oh, okay, it's Brian. <laughs> Come on, Brian. Tell me, tell me it was Sean. But, you know, here's a situation that happened to me. I was on a construction job at an elementary school. And we're sitting there just working away and working away. And these, there's these hooligans just lined up against the fence. And they're just sitting there bugging us. And we're sitting there working and working. And they start off like, what's your name? And I was like, guys, just keep working. Ignore them. Just leave them alone. And they're like, what you doing? And I'm getting irritated. And I'm listening to this. And I'm looking and chit-checking. I'm like, come on. Go away. They're like, where do you live? And I stop. I'm like, that's it. So I walk over to them. I'm like, if you guys don't go away and start watching your kids, I'm going to go tell the principal that you're bugging us. All these teachers lined up on the fence just bugging us. And just because we're construction workers doesn't mean that we're pieces of meat to be ogled and looked at. We are human beings. 
So if you're a teacher in here today, you guys get your crew in order. I'll take care of my side, you take care of yours. Passionately reduce the risks. Now, I want you to invest passionately. Number two, protect your marriage. Invest in your marriage. How do you do that? And I'm not going to read the, the, I'm not going to read the passage, but Proverbs 5.19 tells us to be intoxicated with your spouse's love. When you guys think of somebody being intoxicated, what do you think of? I think of somebody that's lost control, somebody that can't, can't stop doing something. Man, so what does that look like to be intoxicated with your spouse's love? Man, they're constantly on your mind. You know, somebody that's an alcoholic, what are they always looking for? They're looking for the next drink, the next fix. What if you're an addict, whatever. Look at your spouse that way. Man, I can't wait to be with them. I can't wait to invest in them. I can't wait to show them that I care about them. Man, when you give that and you receive that, man, that is so powerful. And I know my wife's not in here right now, I don't think. So this one I'm preaching to myself, so I got to be careful. Have a date night. And I'm really bad at this. And so I'm preaching to myself here. Get alone. Get away from the kids. Don't talk about work. Get off the phones. Talk to your spouse. Hey, how things going? What's new? You know, what are you struggling with? And again, start forming those spiritual bonds. And I, I love our life group, and we have some people in here from our life groups. Man, it is so awesome just to pour into these other couples' lives and have them pour into us. And man, we've received so much from that. You know, it is just a blessing to have people that just hold us accountable and lift us up. And we try to do the same thing. And when you receive that as a Christian couple, man, it is so powerful. And you will grow, and you will grow stronger together. This last one. Hopefully I don't step on my toes or embarrass anybody. But do not neglect, if you're married, the gift of sex. And, and Jesus is very honest with this, and so we want to be too. And so as human beings, we tend to make two opposite mistakes with this. Because on one hand, we think it's everything. Or on the other hand, we think it's nothing. I've ran into couples that are like, man, if my wife doesn't have sex with me every day, you know, she's under judgment. And then on the other hand, they only have sex on their anniversaries. Here's the thing. God has given you guys this gift, and it's a gift that you give to each other. And it's not everything, but it's not nothing either. And one of the books, I read a book a long time ago from a, a, a secular psychologist, and it's, it's really cool to see how science backs up what God does in our lives. And he talks about how a sexual relationship releases chemicals in your brain, and it really establishes bonding and relationships and so what sex does for a married couple is this is that all the other intimacies that you should have whether there's communication and time together and just caring about each other are all cemented and it all comes together with that physical act so pour into each other's lives do not neglect it god has given it to you for a reason the last thing is this and this is one that has been powerful for me and i, I talked a little bit earlier if you want to protect your marriage at all costs, simply visualize the destruction. Visualize the destruction. Proverbs, again, 3, 3 through 5. For the lips of the adulterous woman, they do what? They drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as gall. She's as sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. And man, I've seen it time and time again. You know, especially in my world, and it probably happens everywhere. The guys, they get unsatisfied with their, with, with their wives, and, then, and they, they meet somebody new. And, man, that girl looks good. And, man, she tells them everything that they want to hear, right? But what ended up happening on the backside? Man, guess what? She's crazy. Really? 
she leads to destruction. And it's not just her fault, it's his fault. The end of that is pain, it's misery. One of my, one of, we, we, we argue about music in here all the time, so just so you know, Andrew is wrong, Mitch and I are right, 90s music's the best, but a, second, but a second closer, 70s, and one of my favorite bands from the 70s are the Eagles. Everybody love the Eagles? There we go. One of my favorite songs of the Eagles is called Lying Eyes, and uh, I'm a terrible musician, but it's one song that I learned a long time ago, and I think about those lyrics, and I thought about them for myself, and if you don't know the song, it's a story about a girl that has a, a marriage of security, somebody married somebody older, but you know she's lacking something. She's looking for something else that this guy's obviously not given the passion. And so she finds a different relationship and, and it's the one full of passion and, 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 and then that affair happens. But then the, and then the, in the second or third verse, I think it's the third verse, you see the story of this girl and she's all by herself. She's not with either one of the guys and that's what it is, is she's been destroyed. And she's looking through the blinds. She's looking up and seeing the stars. And she's like, man, it's going to be another long night. And she's, had, she's having alcohol just to numb the pain. And you look at those lyrics, and that's not an exact quote, so you have to listen to the song. And, and other songs like that, it describes the pain and the visualization of the destruction that comes from making choices that destroy our spouses and destroy our marriages. I think what would happen if, if that happened to me? I can't imagine having to sit down and talk to my kids, talking to my family, even you know, coming in and talking to you guys. Man, I screwed up. I know you guys would forgive me, but something there's there's some bells you can't unring. You know, with some people, they'll always look at you that way, or at least that's the probably the guilt that I would carry. But that's the guilt I want to help release from you guys in a little bit. But I think about what would my wife say? How hurt she would be. What would my testimony be like? You know, here's a guy, and you, th- you hear about it all the time. Yeah, that guy, that preacher on TV, he, he talked a good game. He said all the right things. But then on the backside, he was having, you know, an affair with all these women. The message gets thrown out with the actions of the, of the, of the messenger. I don't ever want to be in that spot, and <clears throat> I'm not perfect. Believe me, people in my life group know. <laughs> but this is, this is one thing that is, is, is so destructive. And as we conclude this, I, I wanna talk and I wanna speak into your guys' hearts. And I want you to take this advice, not because I, I know better or I know everything, but it's because these are the things that I've seen. These are the things that God talks about. And so we talked about signposts. We talked about moving through life. And whether you've taken a wrong turn or you haven't, to me, that doesn't matter. Pastor Sean talked about it earlier. God is willing to meet you right now, wherever you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. It doesn't matter if you've passed that signpost that said, oh man, danger ahead. Because we've all done that in some place, in some form, and in some way. So believe me, I'm not casting judgment up here, but I want something for you guys. From this moment forward, I want you to move and I want you to protect your mind. Protect that heart. And the actions will follow. The actions flow from what is in here. And remember, God is looking for that heart transformation. You know, and, and he, the behaviors are great. And, you know, he doesn't want you to sin. But if you focus strictly on the behaviors only without addressing this, it's just a matter of time. Because it will happen. Because if I harbor lust, I will commit adultery eventually. 
if I harbor anger, I will assassinate somebody's character. I may even physically kill them because it's here and it's here. Let those things go. Give them to God. And I want to speak, there's several groups in here. And if you guys would, go ahead and bow your heads. I know I'm dealing with several groups in here and you may be one of the, in, in, the, in the crowds, like, man, we've got a great marriage. Things are going really well. This message isn't for me. I appreciate it, but it's not for me. And I want you to know this, is that it's still for you. Man, my marriage is great too, but every day I have to protect that. I have to make sure that I'm doing the things that I need to do to protect the woman that God has given me. And here's the thing, I am this close to making that mistake. Anybody's capable of anything at any time. I truly, truly believe that. And I talked about the ministers that told me, you know, hey, you should spend some time with that person. Both of those people ended up committing adultery. In some way, they were spiritual mentors that I had to ignore their advice. So I want to give you the advice, protect yourself, invest in your spouse. Another group here, maybe, maybe you're in a marriage right now where you're like, yeah, baby, Barry, I, mean, I, I, I recognize some of those baby steps in my own life. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't crossed that line yet, but man, I can see myself there. Maybe I've taken two or three of those steps. And I want to encourage you. There is a reason why you got married. You found something special in that person. God gave you that person for a reason. And you love that person. And just because right now you feel an emotion that, that that's gone, I want you to know if you had it at one time, you can have it again. That thing's not gone. It is not dead. It is not over. God wants to invest in you. God wants to build that up. And you will never, ever be sorry that you walk back from that brink. And I've, I've, I've dealt with people in both situations, people that walk back from that brink and they said, you were right, you were right, you were right. I'm so glad that I listened to what God wanted for me. And then I've talked to other people and they went ahead and they didn't listen and they kept going. And I still love them. And I'm like, man, I, you're not good for you no matter what. And eventually they come back and they're like, this has destroyed me in ways that I never would have imagined. And maybe you're part of the third group. Maybe you're like, Barry, I'm, you know, I, I, this is a message that's hard for me to hear because either one, I, I've committed adultery or my spouse cheated on me. And this is bringing up a lot of pain, maybe even a lot of anger. And I want you to know this is that God wants something for you. You realign your life right now. It is not too late to what God wants for you. He is here not to hold you in contempt forever. He wants to heal you. And maybe that marriage can't be put back together, but God can bring something good out of it. I truly believe that. Only God can do that. I know and God knows, ultimately, you were looking for something good. You were looking for intimacy. You were looking for communication. And for whatever reason, we found it in a, a bad spot. That good thing, don't throw away the good thing. Look for it in the place that God has given you to find it. And as we pray, I want you to remember this. This topic has been used as a bludgeon, as a hammer for so many, for so many sermons, for so many advice counseling. And it always comes back with this, adultery, 
it's grounds for divorce, you can leave. And biblically, that's true. It is a grounds for divorce. But just like God called Hosea, it can be an opportunity for forgiveness. It is not too late, no matter where you are. Father, as we come before you right now, I wanna lift up this crew, I wanna lift up this crowd. I love them, Lord, and I know that you love them infinitely more than I could ever imagine or, or, or myself. And God, I want, you to, I want you to help them understand that you want your best for their lives. And so as I'm praying for each person in this room, whether they're married or they want to be married, I pray that you give them a blessing and give them wisdom and give them strength to continue on a path or restart a new path and follow what you want in their lives. So as we continue to pray, I just want an opportunity, again, just to lift you guys up. If you guys are in, in a relationship right now or a marriage, and you guys are saying, you know what, no matter where I'm at, whether it's good or whether it could be better or whether I've gone too far, I want God to speak and to bless my life. If you want God to move in your marriage, I would love to pray for you. Can you guys raise your hands if you want somebody or you want me to pray for you guys' marriage? Father, you've seen the hands, and Lord, you know the situations. Lord, ultimately, we've all strayed from you. We've committed a form of spiritual adultery, and, and we've walked away. And Lord, I pray that as we realize that we're not perfect in ourselves, that you help us to recommit and stay faithful to what you've given us and the vows that you've given us to give to our wives or our spouses. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person in this room, Lord. Lord, give them the strength to be a light in this community. Give them an opportunity to show your grace wherever they go and whatever they've done. Lord, I pray that you use them to impact real life and make a difference right here. I wanna to talk to one last group as we finish. Maybe you've never met God and you don't understand what I'm talking about when I talk about committing spiritual adultery. And it's simply this, is that we've walked away from God. And maybe you're trying to fix your marriage on your own because you have no one to help you. If there's anybody here that would love and needs a relationship with God, I would love to pray with you right now and you can pray with me as, as I pray. Father, I know that I've come up short and I know that things are screwed up in my life and I know that I want something better and Lord, I know that only a relationship with you can bring that. Lord, I've tried to fix my marriage. I've tried to fix my relationships apart from you because I didn't have a relationship with you ultimately. So Lord, I'm asking you to have a relationship with me. Come, come into my life and help lead me. If you've prayed that, God is faithful to come and do that today. If there's anybody here that has made that commitment to God and asked for that relationship, I would love to pray for you. If you wanna raise your hand where I can pray for you, you'll go ahead and do that. As I look over you guys, you guys can, uh, you guys can go ahead and raise your, raise your heads. Thank you so much for being here. I know this is probably a weird sermon and a difficult sermon to hear, but God is for you, God is with you. And I want you guys to go ahead and stand. We're gonna continue worshiping with the team. And I want you guys to remember throughout the day,
that God has his best yet for you. God has given you a radical purpose. God loves you and he wants you to be a part of his kingdom today.